This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. You join us in leafy London on a lovely sunny day, 24 hours before the championships at Wimbledon begin, and myself, David Law, sitting alongside Matt Roberts in Catherine Whittaker's garden. Hello, Catherine. It's which which all, all the listeners will now know of it is that it's right underneath the Heathrow flight path. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't but, it? Other than that, it's delightful. Yeah, we're brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We've already uh, devoured Catherine's selection of uh, nibbles that she's brought out for us here. What a great some, host you some are. Some with more style than others. Yeah. Uh, yes, Matt did I'm, have a moment I'm where never going to live this down, am I? He, he just sh- casually reached across the table as if it was the most natural thing in the world, grabbed a chunk of strawberry and dipped it into avocado hummus. <laughs> That's what students do. Or did. And I actually, I intervened before it reached his mouth just to check that he knew what he was doing. So there was a chance to back out and he proceeded. Do you want to explain yourself? I mean, I haven't done it again. <laughs> it, it, it was one-off, both taste-wise and I saw the look of horror that came across, across Catherine's face. But you knew, you knew what you were doing, right? You, I, was on aut- I was on automatic pilot. Mm. The, 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 the strawberries are at a distance and the hummus is near and it was just on the way home back to my mouth and I just dipped it in yeah so this is what the people want they want snack based chat and uh, there you are folks don't mix strawberries with avocado hummus uh, so what have we got to talk about? Well, only the one of the four biggest tournaments in the world, arguably the biggest. Uh, I've been there for the first time in 2019 today and uh, had a little chat on BBC Five Live with Annabelle Croft on the edge of court number one, the one with the brand spanking new big roof that That's you can... It's not going to get used. It's not going to get used the whole week uh, <laughs> ahead at least. And it, they, if, if it does get used, they can do it in six and a half minutes, uh, apparently. Wow. From, from button pressing. I did have... I tried to have a go, but they... But then it's the acclimatisation system that takes the time, isn't it? Oh. I well, know I don't know. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I always what thought centre court was about ten minutes to close, but it always it's always a much longer delay, isn't yeah. it? Because they have to get the... Yeah. Just get, get the aircon on. Right. So while I was out there, um, the young qualifier, Coco Goff, who's 15 years of age and plays 39-year-old Venus Williams. So we very nearly had a 40-15 uh, <laughs> contest. Instead, it's 39-15. Um, and they're playing on court number one tomorrow. And 
yeah, she basically came out to have a look at what the court's like because, I mean, it must be pretty daunting. Standing there today, it was utterly deserted. There must have been 20 people out there in the stands, you know, no more. And, and it was so serene, so quiet. And she just wandered out with a couple of people, had a look around, and then w- wandered off again. Big day for her coming up. I love that. It's really humanising, isn't it? Especially for somebody that... I mean, I've she's only 15 still, but I've known about Coco Goff for a couple of years now, which is absurd, really. Um, uh, and for somebody that's been touted and tipped for, for so long already, you, sort, you can sort of imagine them just... It's taking all taking the experience like she's going to have tomorrow maybe too much in stride sort of thinking oh yeah this is this is the sort of moment that I've known has been coming to me for a while now everyone's been telling me I'm going to have this moment and so it's going to happen yeah shrug so I like the thought of her going out and, and trying to get a taste of it and acclimatise and adjust and Visualize. really consider the magnitude I mean she might not have been doing any of that she might have just needed someone to have a sit down but I, I'll assume that that's what she was doing and I, I like it Yeah, she was, she was out there and she will be third on, on court number one tomorrow so you know that's a, a big time of the day isn't it as well you've had a couple of matches it's the, the tea time audience sort of thing it's going to be all eyes on that match it's a huge occasion she was saying that she, her, the reason she plays the sport is because of Serena and Venus Williams they are the inspiration including Serena's eyes on that match, Matt. Yeah, Serena said, I think I might watch that, even though I get really nervous when I watch Venus play. Um, But it's amazing, like, what Serena and Venus had to go through as young black tennis players. They have just paved the way and fought the fight for people like Coco Goff and... It's absolutely no wonder that she looks up to the Williams sisters. Incidentally, we we know that she only her first Wimbledon memory is 2011. Coco Golf, <laughs> um, which which even I mean made me feel old. Um, What's your first Wimbledon memory? 2004. When was Venus's? Oh, well, I mean, it's hardly any better, is <laughs> Hang on, it? When That's... was Venus's last Wimbledon title? When was number five? I can't remember. She's won seven slams in total yeah five five Wimbledons were any of them post 2011 don't think so no so she actually doesn't remember Venus winning a Wimbledon no. yeah. I think it's 09 I think yeah. Yeah. Her, her last one Some, something like that so he, his first <laughs> his first Wimbledon memory is when Federer beat Roddick in the final do in, you not remember 2001 no Goodness. I mean I was only five oh <laughs> what's your first Wimbledon memory I remember watching being forced to watch actually in the days before I liked tennis when my family loved tennis and I was the dissenter um, I remember sitting down to watch Henman versus Forget um, second or third round or something I mean it would have been like 91 92 I feel like it might have been no I'm getting a head shake here Henman no that's not right. After that? You mean Bates Forge? Bates Forge, that's what I mean. Yeah, 1992. It was that memorable. Sorry, it was a long time ago, David. <laughs> 92. Yes. There we go. Yeah, they played each other in the fourth round, and Jeremy Bates was leading the charge, trying to get to the, the quarterfinals. It was, had we, match point. We, oh. had a, it, we had a French au pair at the time, so it was all very tense in our living room. So I recall the tension. Ang- Anglo-Franco it, it, relations. Yeah. I was, comp- I was not interested at all. Yeah. I was along for the ride. That was my 11th memory of Wimbledon, uh, years-wise. Uh, my first memory was 1981, 
don't look at me like that. Bjorn Borg against John McEnroe in the final is is my first uh, memory. So yeah. So you don't quite remember the famous tiebreak? No, no, I don't. I'd, I'd got I'd been told stories of it by my dad. No, no, no. Apparently, there uh, there's an event somewhere in London where they are there's like an immersive experience mm, where the you rematch can or where something. you can watch that final. I mean. I keep being offered free tickets to it, so it doesn't sound like it's selling brilliantly. But <laughs> Where are my free tickets? <laughs> you have to dress up, don't you, as though you're oh, in the 80s. What, I you're think. saying it's that like... Catherine said no to this? <laughs> it's like Secret of Cinema, but for tennis nerds. Oh, I like the sound of it. <laughs> right, so yeah, we saw Coco Goff today, and um, she's playing Venus Williams tomorrow. We have had the draws. Um, we also have Matt Roberts here on his ranking for the first time at Wimbledon. He's actually been accredited, um, and he has his own desk, I noticed today. I went in and, uh, and found him. Um, yeah, I was, I was looking at Jan Leonard Struff stats, and then David <laughs> David came along and suddenly was taking photos of me. <laughs> He's so, a dangerous floater, isn't he? What, David Law? <laughs> I Jan Leonard well, Struff. Yeah, but he's, apparently he's got this really bad record in, on grass. Like he's Why is that? Why have some people who you're absolutely sure are going to be ap- amazing on grass have got not very good records, like Carolina Bliskova like, at Wimbledon? The only thing I can really think is that they just don't play on it enough. And a lot mm. of people need reps, right? And Struff has been a late bloomer, you know, career-wise. You feel like he needs time to figure things out, perhaps. And yeah, he's got like a record like 1 and 10 in Haller. And really, yeah, and I think he's like reached one third round at Wimbledon, which was last year. So perhaps he's perhaps he's finding his feet. But yeah, I don't, I'd have thought he should be more dangerous than his records. Glad he looked this up now. <laughs> <laughs> Is he lurking in anybody's significance section? Uh, he's there in. Must the... have been a reason why you were looking him up. Well, just interested. <laughs> it in was. It was. Yeah, it was. I was waiting for David, and I thought, let's let's look up Struff. He's in the Nishikori. He's <laughs> in the Nishikori that with absolutely section. No irony whatsoever. I was waiting for David, so I thought I'd just look up Struff. <laughs> That's like Andy Murray plucking Sheng Shalkin out yes. of absolutely nowhere. He's in the Nishikori section, right? So opportunity knocks. <laughs> opportunity knocks to take Nishikori to five sets, get beaten, but wipe Nishikori out for his next match. Except we've got a new Nishikori tactic. Under yeah, our which, serve, which we're, we're waiting. We're waiting for, credit. for credit. Yeah, Wimbledon wrote a whole article about it today about Nishikori following the footsteps of Michael Chang. Which I'm, I'm serious about this. We we are 100 percent responsible for this. <laughs> Maybe 100 percent is pushing. No, it ever so no. Catherine I, got I, the scoop. I don't think it would have occurred to him. I saw his face. We need to dig up that that interview that probably never saw the light of day anywhere but I was there and I remember it I, I saw his face when I said oh how about sneaky underarm serve and that was the first time he had thought of it but it wouldn't have right occurred, there in it, that moment it wouldn't have that occurred. was when the seed was planted it wouldn't have occurred to us without Michael Chang would it <laughs> or Nick Curiel but Michael Chang is really reticent to talk about the underarm serve whenever you ask him about it and he was asked about it a lot at the French Open he always says oh well I did it because I was cramping he, he he never has a sort of twinkle in his eye and goes, yeah, you know, I, I'm pleased to see it come. He always makes the point that I, I did it because I had no other choice. I can't imagine him sitting Nishikori down and going, this is a great tactic, well, mate. Well, Nishikori spoke about it in tactical depth. Like, if they're standing 
way behind the baseline. I might throw it in, and but he doesn't think that might happen on he's, grass. He's thought about nothing else since the French Open, Matt. Well, because he did one at Hurlingham. This is where this is all picked. You know, it's all got interesting again because he actually did one. We spent the whole French Open. From there. We yeah. spent the whole French Open pleading for him to do it, and he didn't. And he threw it in in the exhibition where not many people were watching. Yet we still we it was watching. clipped, and he won the point. Yeah. 100% success rate. So, Struff, that's what you got coming. And, well, second round for Struff is Segway Taylor Fritz. Who, incidentally, champion. is looking like a player. And, I have you know, after he won the Eastbourne title, I messaged Paul Anacone, his coach. Oh. Yeah. Who, <laughs> uh, Catherine's just doing the old name-dropping uh, sign there, um, correctly, which... Uh, because I'm I'm interested by Fritz in that, to me, it feels like he's taken his time to actually do anything mm-hmm. of, a, of real note. I mean, he we first heard of him about when he was about 18, and I remember on the Champions Tour, we we had him at one of the tournaments that Pete Sampras was at on the Champions Tour. I think it was it might have been Delray or somewhere like that where they've, they've got both types of uh, of event. And Sampras was saying Taylor Fritz hits a really big ball. I'm impressed with him. And uh, we kind of waited, didn't we? And he, n- not much happened, he, it seemed. He he married and became a father at 18, didn't he? Or mm. maybe just 19. So I think he's had a lot going on in yeah. his very young life. And they his family travel on, on tour with him very much. You know, that's that's an immense distraction, I mean, I know people are doing it, but to try and do that at such a tender stage of your career when you're not remotely established, you're trying to transition from juniors is is a heck of an ask. And I think he has physically struggled to fill out a bit, Mm. hasn't he? He does still look like a junior. I mean, if you stood... Not quite a junior, but still looks like someone that's transitioning. If you stood him next to Sitsipas, I think they would look like two different specimens. It's a a bit like Zverev, isn't it? Where you're thinking... The newborn Borg. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the back page said. The newborn Bjorn Borg is Alexander Zverev. Not what the article said, written very well, nicely by Mike Dixon, I should add, but the headline, slightly misrepresentative. Uh, anyway, Taylor Fritz says Paul Anacone, he's only 21, so I think his progress is pretty rapid. Distorted a bit because of a Memphis final at 18. He says, I believe that was a blessing and a curse in any case he's getting better understanding his game better and how to make players uncomfortable with his strengths he's got very big power and one of the best two-handers on the tour already his ability to compete unconditionally and his enjoyment of competition will push him far he has no fear of losing or winning which are very promising traits and i mean really paul anacone is he's a process guy he he doesn't talk about results he's not a sort of self-promoter in that way he he just wants to see raw materials being put together a base being put together so that a player can compete at a high level every time whether he wins or not he wants to see that output being the same because that memphis final fritz reached was only his second atp tournament and he reached the final so he was like suddenly so much was expected from him and then this Eastbourne final was the first final he'd reached since then so he'd had that huge two or three, well, three or four year gap um, but I, saw, I read an interview with Fritz at the start of the year with Steve Flink that he did yeah I saw that and he was really 
ambitious and like saying, I think I can finish in the top 20 easily this year. Me and Francis. He, he, I like that attitude. He really does think that he's going places. And I, I didn't necessarily see top 20 maybe for him this year, but he had quite a good clay court season. Well, he's, what, 42 now? Yeah. Plus whatever he gets from Eastbourne. He, he's a couple of good slams away, isn't From that. he? From I liked that. his commitment to the clay court season. Yeah. I think yeah. he was the only American that played in Monte, Monte Carlo. Carlo. Um, and I, he beat Joe with... So, I mean, Songer, I think, retired. But it, he had a, a few few results on the clay that made me raise my eyebrow just a little bit. Um, Sorry, it's, it's one of those ones where he's played... He played Federer in Melbourne, didn't he, and didn't get close. And he played Djokovic, I think, on clay and didn't really get close. And that... So easy to judge people based on those results, but they're not the matches he needs to be winning if he's going to get in the top twenty. It's, it's, he needs to be it's, beating Jan and Struff. Yeah, and winning Eastbourne and things like that. Mm. And actually, he said about that Federer match at the Australian Open, he was really disappointed with his performance. He lost six two seven five six two, and he just felt he didn't do what he's capable of doing. He, he said, I, "I left him with way too many balls to." A, attack with mm. and, he, and he said he takes it so early you realise what you're up against that if you fall short at all he's on you um, but what the ad article said because I read that earlier today it was pointing out that he then went straight on to a, a challenger won a match something like four six seven six seven six in the first round then won the event you know it was one of those that he f- he fought through and mm. you just wonder whether that's kind of this could be the moment this could be his launch pad now I mean 21 it feels like he should be 23 yeah because he's been around for a while but it's a really good I mean it's Kyle Edmund in the semis Sam Corey in the final and in the first round you've got Thomas Burdick in the, at Wimbledon I, I, I would pick with Federer today I, believe. I would take Fritz to win that what do you think same same yeah there's not I mean there's Nothing really to go on with Burdick, no form or I mean, he was at Queen's, wasn't he? Because he was desperately hoping to get into qualies. He was waiting on whether Nicholas Jarry... Was it Nicholas Jarry? He was waiting on whether Nicholas Jarry got an extra win in Stuttgart because if he did, it would mean he'd had to have pulled out of Queen's qualies. So the the sight of Thomas Burdick anxiously waiting around Queen's, you know, Wimbledon finest, to to find out if he's going to get into the qualifying draw was... um, it was, it was a similar feeling to seeing Grigor Dimitrov scheduled on court 15 tomorrow. Oh dear, that hurt, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel right. Even though that's clearly a good court, it's got a lot of good players on it, but it still, you know. Yeah, I mean, what does he think about that? I mean, he's, probably, he's probably somewhere being as jolly as anything, going, oh yeah, my shoulder hurts a bit, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Oh, I've lost in the first round. He's not the sort of fella who would complain about it. No. And actually. Honestly, he's got nothing to complain about. No, it's, no, I don't. I don't. It's, it's the right the assignment. Right, it's isn't the right it? assignment, but it's what that says. Mm. So we've had the draw. We'll go on to that in a minute. But the press conference day was yesterday, Matt. Who struck you coming through? What struck you? Well, I think Nadal was interesting because there's been this whole debate about the seeding for Nadal, which seems to have become a debate again this year, even though it's been a thing for ages now this seeding formula I think it's just because it's affected Nadal and Federer and it's affected them in a unique way and one of them has spoken and out and spoken out mm-hmm. about it because I mean last year Federer was seeded above Nadal but it was because they switched one and two which essentially doesn't really matter mm. in the draw um, but I think at, at the heart of that debate is 
whether the seeding formula is still necessary. Is grass still such a distinctive surface? I mean, Nadal's argument is that by having that formula, it just devalues ranking and you know the fact that the ATP and he's really into rankings. He is into rankings <laughs> and the race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, I don't really have a, a a strong opinion on it. I don't like we have the seeding formula fine I, I don't care about it that much really but i just think it's interesting how nadal has got so worked up about it like does I, he does he think I'm that not he surprised, has personally. does he think no. he's got a really like good chance of winning wimbledon this is that is it a good sign that he's really isn't it just a, it? isn't it just to his mind not fair the fact that the, the the surface he's really good on you don't have any help and the surface that federer is really good on he gets help but i mean there's three masters events on clay like you you've, you've yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about the seeding formula and the no. injustice, the potential injustice therein for for years. But then, but then I, I saw what happened this year, and I just suddenly thought, oh, hang on, that doesn't feel quite right. I I, I, I didn't have an opinion. Certainly, didn't have a negative opinion of the seeding formula, but I don't think it feels quite right what happened mm. Nadal being bumped for Federer regardless of the fact that I probably would put Federer just ahead of Nadal in my favourites list but do you know they used to not do in, it not enough to rectify the rankings back before you were born when I was still watching tennis Matt and Catherine uh, they used to literally have a committee that would look at the rankings and then just move people about a bit, depending on how they thought thought you know who had the better record. I'll just slide Tim Henman up a bit. Right? <laughs> uh, I mean, at um, least now now it is a, a formula. It is very transparent. Everybody knows what it is. I, I, I say that I don't really know what it is, but there is a, a formula. They apply it, and you end up with what you get. Um, I personally, I don't like the fact that the same isn't applied to the women's rankings at all and and from what i understand that's because the the wta doesn't want it um and have, and, have and railed I, against that and that that was nadal's argument yeah. was it he called upon the atp said we yeah. need to we as the atp need to wield our power here and say this isn't this yeah. isn't right we don't we we're don't giving want 2000 this. points to this yeah. event the atp should have the leverage it was very much a sort of protective kind of we are giving points to this you are not bigger than than our tour kind of it was quite sort of posturing talk doesn't feel quite right to me i must say overall it it should all be the same yeah you just knew that the most dangerous of all the floaters was going to come out in a dull section after that seeding hoo-ha well let's get on to his draw quickly because we'll, we'll talk about press conferences again in a minute but from what i understand he has a horror draw. I mean, it would come out like that, he'd, wouldn't it? He'd certainly swap his draw with Federer's, wouldn't he, Matt? He would. I don't know if it's quite as dangerous as some people are making out. I mean, it, it really all depends which Kyrgios shows up. Like, if, And if a Kyrgios shows up. If he, yeah, if he's not beaten by Jordan Thompson yeah, in the first I round. Mean, I feel like we've had situations before where Kyrgios was due to play a top player and not really shown up in the match before and we've not had that match that we've all been hoping for um, yeah that happens every slam <laughs> yeah so I mean Sagita in the first round and then Thompson or Kyrgios and then Shapovalov or Songa and then maybe Chilich in the fourth round but I mean a lot of those players are not in great form none of those particularly worry me for Nadal other than Kyrgios other than Kyrgios yeah I, I agree say. I agree 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't back Shapovalov or Songa to beat Nadal. No. The way the form that they're in at the moment, I, I think Chilich, if he were to play really well, could. Um, but he's had a rough time recently. He beat him in Hurlingham, I mm. think it was, yeah. uh, in the week. I mean, how much you can read into that, I don't know. I, I think the interesting thing about Nadal is what do you give more weight to? Sort of five years of not doing a lot at Wimbledon 2012 onwards or last year where he looked really good at Wimbledon I'd go with last year I would as well I'd go with last year as well yeah but but, but but for a reef related decision he could very easily have been been in that final oh for sure would have most likely won that final Um, we'll we'll never know Um, but yeah I'd agree last year for sure I mean he but it's in the back of my mind, though, all those years where he didn't quite perform at Wimbledon. It worries. I think as soon as it, I, I worry about him more in the early rounds, which is mm. why I'm worried for him that he's potentially got Kyrgios in well, round two. That that is a if he plays Kyrgios, it's it's the Im, an impossibility to predict that with confidence, yeah. isn't it? Because if Kyrgios from Acapulco turns up when. He was just loving it and driving Nadal. But he's always crazy. loving it against the top players. He would be loving it on centre court at Wimbledon against Nadal. Well, he should do. He just might not love it in round one against Jordan Thompson on mm. court fifteen or wherever they they put that. And it will be interesting to see where they put that because that's two unseeded players yeah. against one another. Um, but yeah, he will he will he will show up for that match if he makes it there. In the men's draw. How big is the mix? How many players, how many ingredients are in the mix? Well, I've got a an unanswered text on my phone from a friend who likes tennis but is a, a, only a casual observer and it just says, is Stefano Sitspas in the mix for Wimbledon? And I have not replied because I don't know what to say. I think if you're defining the mix as players, you would not be surprised if they won the event the mix is three and it's Djokovic, Federer and Nadal I would be surprised if Sitsipas won Wimbledon yeah he's got you there David no he hasn't (laughs) you would be there are other players that you wouldn't be surprised to see win this Wimbledon on the men's side is the mix not players I think can win Wimbledon in 2019 no 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 no. we've been over this no anyone can win Wimbledon can is a redundant turn of phrase <laughs> I can win Wimbledon if you know Somebody the other 128 you. people pull out and I get offered some kind of honorary wild card do you know what I mean like let's not get into the multiverse no, here but come on I no we're not getting into can David well alright well that I think he has a a good chance of you, would it. you be surprised? Because this is how we no, decided to define it. No, okay. I think Sitsipas is then. in the mix. So okay, you, but okay. can we? Yeah. At least, we're sticking with the definition because yeah, I'm not it's up, four. Not. It's four players. So a, a, anyone else would? So, but would you'd surprise be less you. surprised yes. by Sitsipas than by Vavrinka. I'd be more surprised by Vavrinka, certainly. Okay. No question. Yeah, I would be as well. It. I'd be more surprised about all the other 120 five players or whatever it is in the draw than Sitsipas. I mean I agree that Sitsipas is the troublemaker here in terms of the definition of the mix because it feels like he should be in the mix and yet 
I would be surprised if he won Wimbledon this Is year. Is Felix Auger only a seam I wouldn't in the be, mix you know... With his record over Sitsabas. Apparently he was the fi- fifth favourite with some of the bookies. He's <laughs> never, never won a Grand Slam match. <laughs> but it Me does, and him both. We're does, both in the mix. It does feel like there are fewer threats this year. I feel like last year we were talking about... Well, everyone was picking up Chilich, weren't they? Mm. And Anderson people was in good form and obviously got to the Isn't final. It, yeah. But then they're not really there this year. No. Yeah, um, the best of the rest. I mean, Dimitrov was being talked about yep. last year, not maybe not as a title contender, other than by the the ever hopeful. <laughs> um, but he was at least in the conversation. He's not even in the conversation this year. Amazingly, the the mix has narrowed. It's become less complex. Just, less just rich. before we go, are you having this beer or not? It's for you. Oh, thanks. Okay, um, so <laughs> and and Wimbledon is where. It's been the toughest to break through the big, um, the big four. I mean, they've won all of them going back to 2003. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic and Murray. I mean, and Federer, Nadal... They've won all the Wimbledons. Going back to 2003. Federer won Wimbledon in 2003. Before Matt's memory began. Yeah. So I'd be really surprised you if someone You have else never won. seen anyone win Wimbledon that's not in the big four. <laughs> yeah that's unbelievable what wow uh, uh, so your mix is no wonder your mix is three well quite yeah <laughs> the other bloke's not even playing <laughs> and, uh, but incidentally in the mix for the doubles Andy Murray and partner that's it that's his mix yeah so. well I mean I have seen other people win the doubles <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. 
Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What is the mix looking like for the wind straw? Then how many is in that? I can't, I can't give you a number, but no. it's a lot more than three. I think it's perhaps fewer than in Paris. Who's the favourite? I think Barty's the favourite. I know she's got a horrible draw. Tell but us about her draw, Matt. Barty doesn't think she's the favourite, but she wouldn't, would yeah. she? Um, so Barty has Zeng Sai Sai in the first round, then faces the winner of Kuznetsova van Oitvank. Just a casual twice Grand Slam champion in the second round there? Then, or a grass court specialist? Then probably Garbini Muguruza in round three. Wimbledon champion? And then Beng Chich in round four and then Serena or Kerber to reach the semi-finals. thing is, though, I would back her, albeit marginally in some, in all of those matches. And I think if you come through a draw like that, you it hardens you. So, <laughs> yeah, I still have Barty as a favourite. Pick me another another individual as a favourite. I, I know lots of people are saying Klishkova, and she won Eastbourne, and that's great, but... She won. She won Rome, and she and she won Brisbane <laughs> she hooked before. Me. And she won Brisbane before yeah, the Australian Open. And it it just doesn't. It's the. I, I'm on full me sort of seven times with Pliskova or something. It's not See, even full me twice. I would have said Barty on all of the things being equal as a draw. I just don't think that that is all of the things being equal. I think there's a cumulative effect there. That who do you think is coming through that section then? Well. I haven't done my predictions yet, um, but I will probably still end up going for Serena Williams. Mm. Um, I I think I'm going to be picking Serena to win the title. I think I might be as well. Just she was in I a can't, very I mean, good I can't argue with that. Serena Williams Serena at Wimbledon, Williams. isn't it? But you and know, I've not I've not seen her play fit for no. That's for the months. big thing. I, I, mean, I know that. They're talking it up, aren't they? Both she and Patrick Moratoglu are Patrick talking Moratoglu's up. Patrick Moratoglu's talking it up. <laughs> he has been... I can't escape him. I'm not even at Wimbledon. I can't <laughs> escape him. Um, but they are talking up the state of her knee, aren't they? Well, she had. She stayed on in Paris and had some treatment there. And she said... She says her knee is fine. And if we believe her... I, I keep thinking she's going to break the record she's going to get the record so I have to start predicting her to win some slams and last year she reached the Wimbledon final barely getting out of about second or third gear really and it just it just what she's capable of doing with her serve and her f- sort of first strike tennis on grass I don't think she needs and the movement doesn't have to be quite as precise maybe as it has to be on the clay what's a draw like Matt? horrible I, th- I think she can ease into it uh, she Face. Looking forward to you in, uh, pronouncing this Italian's name. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, uh, Julia Gatto. Oh, the, the paper's gone paper's flying. It's gone flying. Julia Gatto Monticone. Yeah, and then Kaya Yuvan or Christina Pliskova, and then That's Julia Gerges, which would be a repeat of last year's semi-final, and then but then Kerber round four. Mm. Kerber looked good in Eastbourne, didn't she? Lost she did. out to Pliskova in the end, but. I was impressed with her overall. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done my predictions yet, and the thought of not predicting Serena to win it also feels 
silly. I'm, but I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm less convinced by Barty now that she's won the French Open. A, because now my I, I've, I've got what I wanted. <laughs> she's won a slam this year. I don't have to go out on a limb anymore. Uh, but I just feel, we saw with Halep what that does to players. Yeah, but she backed it up by winning Birmingham. Yeah, she did, but, and but, she's world number one. But sh- if she wins Wimbledon, she'd she'd be on a 19 match winning streak. I mean, it just it feels like. I mean, okay, she can do it, but it feels like. I mean, we haven't seen dominance out. even close to that no. from anybody in women's tennis for no. for years. Not even since Serena last dominated like that since the 2015 year, probably. There was a bit of Muguruza, and obviously there was Osaka winning two slams in a row. Um, but if Barty were to win this. That, but yeah, there, that but there were surprise losses in the intervening period. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but and just Serena, just she was in a good mood. Like the very fact that she did press was interesting because she's not done a press conference before the Australian Open, and she didn't do one before Roland Garros. And she's not, given that she's not in the top eight, she's not obliged to do it. But she did do it, which would be a good sign do you think think? she did that in order to put a public message out there and and mount the pressure on Andy Murray to pick her as his mixed doubles partner no I don't Um, but I'd find it very interesting that uh, that they neither one of them are backing away from this idea (laughs) it's going to happen she was having great fun just stirring things it's going to happen folks I think the only stumbling block is her commitment I think I mean, he wants to win the thing he's not messing around he doesn't want to hit in a giggle I think he wants assurances that no matter how far she gets in the singles no matter if she you know feels a twinge in her knee or whatever she ain't pulling out of that mixed doubles halfway through the tournament I, th- I think that's the only potential stumbling block, block because the absolute commitment to it these things can get very uh, uncomfortable I was at Wimbledon working in the communications department in 1999 when John McEnroe played with Steffi Graf in the mixed doubles. And I spent a, and, and you have not seen a more excited player than John McEnroe was at that week. Obviously being able to come out of retirement, he's you know, he's 40, 40 something, and Steffi Graf, who had just won the French Open singles title, comes in and they do this euphoric press conference together and John is like a little kid you know he's so pumped up they win their first match and and it's just all high fives and fist bumps and hugs and happiness and then she started making progress in the singles draw and pulled out (laughs) and he has never forgiven her he has never forgiven her and he he, he's every time you speak to him about it he just brings this up (laughs) she just she threw me under the bus man all this stuff Uh, and he couldn't believe it he could not believe that she pulled out on him Um, not that I'm saying Andy Murray will be quite so furious uh, I don't think he'd be impressed I don't think he'd hold back he might not hold a grudge for quite so long he's making his argument sharpish isn't he just to make sure that everybody knows where everybody stands (laughs) Um, but assuming that element can be resolved she's saying she's up for it you don't turn that down, do you? No. You're not going to find anyone better. She's. I know you, you could say for her maybe it's not the best thing, but she usually plays women's doubles and singles at Wimbledon. She's not playing women's doubles with Venus this year. I think that's big. Therefore, that, that's a big factor in her ability to be able to do this. Freeze up her schedule. And actually, I would 
suggest that she needs matches she needs time on a court so this is more time on a court yeah she doesn't think that she, she was asked about why she didn't play a warm-up event and she just said I know how to play tennis <laughs> which is such a brilliant answer did but, she actually say that yes yeah, I know how to play tennis <laughs> oh right she's going to win Wimbledon isn't she she's in that mood yeah um and inter- Sold. And interesting about Pliskova, something I read it with, in her interview with Courtney Nguyen, WTA Insider, about why she doesn't like... Well, she does like grass, but why she perhaps hasn't had the results. Apparently, she really doesn't like the ball being so low and having to get down to it. And it, it struck me when I read that. I thought, oh, yeah, she is really upright when she plays That Pliskova. makes no sense to me, though. She hits a flat, flat ball. ball. She should be able to feed off that and hit it even harder I think. But to get down to get it in the th- first place. is what she doesn't like. You know if people slice to her and keep the ball I mean, low on her on grass. the case. Her results bear that out. Mm. Her results given how good she is and what a server she is and what uh, what she's done elsewhere they're appalling at Wimbledon. Mm. What, she made one quarter final something like one that? One second week. I think yeah, it was a fourth round. I think it was round. just a fourth round. And and I think, not good enough. and I think East, the Eastbourne conditions are very different to the Wimbledon conditions. I mean, Wozniacki's traditionally done well at Eastbourne, but never done anything at Wimbledon. Give us your stats, Catherine. I think it's Matt's stat. Yeah. Shh, only. <laughs> of course it is. Um, but I will, I will happily trot it out. Um, only one person has ever won East. No, I've got it wrong. The last. The look of disappointment <laughs> that just flashed across Matt's face is just going to haunt me. It was like a oh, strawberry hummus incident in reverse. Oh. <laughs> you wrote the agenda, Catherine. I assumed it was your I stats. I just copied and pasted it from Matt's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt, tell us what it is. The, the last player to it's win Eastbourne oh. and then Wimbledon was Jana Novotna, 1998. It's a long time ago. 21 years since mm. an Eastbourne and champion went on to win. And they've had, they've had some slightly odd champions at Eastbourne, but they've also had a lot of players yeah. that you would then expect to do things at Wimbledon. Okay. Well, I Mark, still... I, I said to you earlier when we were talking about it, I just don't trust her mm. at this tournament. And look, I've felt that about other players at other tournaments, and they've proved me wrong. So for her sake, I hope she proves me wrong, because... I like watching her play, but I still don't... I won't back her. She's in the mix, absolutely. But there is no way I am putting my already ropey predictions standing on her shoulders. Okay. well, when we do our predictions, I want us all to count up the number of people we respectively have in the women's title mix. Okay. Okay. That can be done. I accept that we haven't quite got there yet. (laughs) But... Um, but Pliskova's in the more open bottom half. I mean, we, we've mentioned Barty and Serena's draw. That top quarter of the women's draw, I've never seen anything like it with Grand Slam champions, players who like grass, whereas the bottom half of the draw, I mean, obviously Naomi Osaka is, is the lead name in that half, but, I mean, she's never really had any results here, but... She's lost good to, if she could produce mm, here. And, and she lost to Venus in 2017, who went on to reach the final, and Kerber last year, who won it. So it's taken a good player and a good performance to beat her. But really interesting, she plays Putin Saver in the first round, who she just lost to in Birmingham. And she lost to her in Birmingham and then didn't do press. For the, the first time ever, she skipped doing a press conference. Was she fined? 
uh, yeah, Must she have would have been. Yeah. And and she said the reason I didn't do it was because I couldn't even articulate thoughts to my team about it. So I thought there's, there's just no point in me going to press conference. I felt really bad about it, but it was such a sort of crushing loss. I just I had nothing to say, so she skipped it, which is interesting because she normally has such interesting things to say after a match. I'm well, sure she, she would have she, done. She usually uses press to formulate yeah. her thoughts, doesn't she? Yeah. It's sort of a cathartic experience. Wow. Mm. But, and, That's and, very interesting. And she says that she first learnt to play on... Well, she first played on grass when she was 16, 17. It's actually less of a natural surface for her than clay. She grew up playing a bit on green clay. And grass is the surface where she has to learn the most. But it kind of suits her game the sort of first strike tennis aspects of it anyway um, and then she said this other quote she said she was practicing with Madison Keys and she said I was practicing with Madison Keys and I was three love down in seven minutes and I thought I'm not talented Madison Keys is talented and I'm a hard worker and I just thought I mean what are you talking about <laughs> She's so talented, and she's kind of like Madison Keys in many ways. They have similar games, kind of thing. I mean, she doesn't see that in herself. Like, I just find her fascinating. Yeah, Osaka. It's never boring, is it? Wow. It's yeah. She in the mix. Mad- Osaka. Yeah. Yeah. Keys. Not sure Madison Keys is. No, I, mean, I think she is. Was she? Lindsay Davenport was speaking at the French Open about how much better clay suits her mm. than than grass she said everybody always expects her to do well on grass and every time she has these good results on clay people are like whoa hey how how are you so good on clay and she said actually movement wise she finds clay a lot easier than grass and although she's got the big serve and the big strikes she finds movement on grass very difficult and i that loss she suffered to evgenia radina um on court 12 or maybe court three one of the sort of small show courts last year at Wimbledon that I covered for, for BBC Radio, that really will live with me because, I mean, Radina was injured, actually. I mean, she was she was a lame animal. So how does she lose? Waiting. Does she just miss? or? Yeah. She, she just misfired on pretty much every single rally and, and just looked looked so out of place on that court she just looked so uncomfortable out there so and a, a part of it was was the pressure it was the mental side of it because at that point that section of the draw had opened up they were talking about yeah, the, the the winner would play Serena and that match was sort of already being talked up and you know winner becomes favourite for the title etc etc so pressure was a factor but I can't shake the memory of how uncomfortable she looked has to be said as well she hasn't produced since she's split with Sasha Badger oh Osaka yeah yeah and she's I'm starting to hear rumblings about that people questioning that decision which annoys me a bit because she never said the decision was necessarily going to be the best thing for her tennis Mm. she said look I just had to make this decision for for my happiness I wasn't happy and this was the decision I felt I needed to make so to suggest that it was a mistake on the basis of her results since the split is a complete misunderstanding I think of the situation and and she only had what two or three events on hardcore after she split and then she was onto the clay which isn't her favorite surface then the grass 
I think she's going to enjoy not being the number one just for a little bit. And I, I, she gave that fascinating quote to Simon Briggs in, in that Telegraph interview where she said, like, in Paris she was kind of acting as the world number one, trying trying to play the role of world number one, but that's not that's not her. She wasn't being herself. He, now she's able to be herself a bit more. Novak Djokovic seems to be working with Goran Ivanisevic, as predicted two years ago by <laughs> Catherine Whitaker on the Tennis Podcast. And we have we have evidence of this because Matt's listened to it today. Only ever a matter of time. Yeah, the the, the day nine, twenty seventeen French Open podcast. Yeah. Catherine had spoken to Goran at some sort of Legends Hour or something. Legends Bun Fight. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just just after Djokovic had started working with Agassi, and Goran said to you, well, "That's not going to last." <laughs> And you said, I'm reading between the lines here. We both know Goran quite well, but only tennis journalists to tennis players. But I think Goran thinks I want that job. David goes, ooh, how exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and then Catherine says, this it's is like hugely... Book at, book at bedtime. This is but... hugely preemptive, but I'm just passing on what, he's, what, what he was implying. I said the words, this is hugely preemptive. Yeah, two, two years and a few God, days. Exactly. <laughs> But, uh, good work, good work. Um, he a, has wanted that job for a long time. Yeah, I has. think he is known or felt like he can make a difference to Djokovic, that he can tap into something, connect with him in a way that his latest few coaches, Marion Vider aside, obviously haven't been able to do. I think he's felt that for a long time. He's always bigged him up, hasn't he? He's always leapt to the defence of Djokovic. He's never liked the way people, including us, uh, have have talked about Djokovic. He doesn't feel that he's had enough credit over the years. And he, he I know that he feels that if Djokovic plays his best, everybody else can forget about it. Um, it is interesting to see what he brings. I think it is temporary. I don't think it's a long-term thing at this stage, but... Who knows? And I think he's got commitments in week two of Wimbledon, I think Goran said. He's playing the legends, isn't he? Mm. He's trying to move some things around or something. <laughs> Goran's <but>. always played <laughs> spinner. He's always moving but, uh, stuff. But, I mean, Djokovic <laughs> is in a very different place now to where he was in 2017. So, I mean, do, well, do you think even before then Goran had his eye on coaching Djokovic? I mean... So, I mean, before then, he I mean, has been otherwise em- em- exactly. employed. I think in 2017, hadn't he just split with Burdick, mm. Goran? I think that's why I was asking him about. Mm, I think probably. Um, so, it, it, it's the Milos. I mean, Goran loves coaching. He loves being on tour, doesn't he? He just wants to be on tour forevermore. You, you basically need to have coached Milos Raonic, don't you, to, yeah. to have a gig at the top of men's tennis yeah. coaching. You've got Sigoran yeah. with Djokovic, Lubacic with Federer and Maya with Nadal have all gone and via Raonic. That's a Piatti stunning stat. Piatti as well with Cherich. Yeah. 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 He's a, unbelievable, isn't he? What a stat that I is. I wonder with... I mean, before that news which came out today about Goran and Djokovic, I had both... Both Nadal and Federer ahead of Djokovic in my list of favourites for Wimbledon Ooh. on the basis that he didn't play Queens and and what that tells me about his mentality. He went on holiday apparently during Queens and I just think I I think if he was in the right headspace when Wimbledon and be one hundred percent committed to it in his bones, he would have been playing Queens. He'd have gone, I won Wimbledon last year, I reached the Queens the Queens final, why would I change that? Instead he wanted to 
go on holiday and get away from tennis. I, I still think he, he can win Wimbledon, David. He's in the mix. But I had those two as a favourite just ahead of him. But I do find this interesting. It does make me... If he had turned up to Queen's with Goran in his corner, I'd have gone, yeah, man, what this, is, this is the business is, now. This is the team that's winning this, this Wimbledon. I just wonder if it's tiny bit too late what's Goran going to be saying about these seven hour player council meetings like the one that Djokovic attended was that's, it yesterday and which uh, Weller Evans has been uh, made the third player board rep uh, taking the place of Justin Gummelstob and that meeting and that decision incidentally that, that's only an only short term one because there's re-election next year for all of the board members but that's been closely followed by four members now of the player council resigning Jamie Murray, Sergei Stokowski Danny Valvadu and Robin Hasser because it actually wasn't the council that reached that decision to elect Weller Evans they were actually deadlocked five and five and yeah. it had to be the existing two representatives that elected the third representative, which is a ludicrous setup, and which I couldn't believe that that was the everybody sec- the predicted resort. that. Everybody yeah. predicted that this would end up being the situation. I mean, I know I know Weller Evans from way back when I was on the tour twenty years ago, and I, I've got a lot of time for him. He, he he's hugely experienced, but the view was that he would be his views would be much more closely aligned with those of Justin Gummelstob um, from the previous. Um, uh, situation and Alex Inglot and both David Igders obviously were in his camp and therefore this is a continuation of it. I, I don't, I don't think um, that Weller Evans is th- that sort of lame duck personally, but it it just doesn't look good and it doesn't feel right. Um, so yeah, the thing needs attention pretty urgently. I would suggest. And he and he he was elected over Nicholas Lapenti. Yes, meaning there are three English native-speaking people mm. on that player rep board. Which and, it, and it is for the Americas, isn't it? Mm. It's not just North America, it is the Americas. And Nadal, aside from any you know, um, comments on the political leanings of candidates and everything, um, when the process was just getting underway, he did make, a, he did make the point that it seemed right that there should be a Spanish speaker... On, uh, as a as a board representative, which is a decent argument, yeah. uh, certainly a, an important factor. Um, we'll watch with interest to see what happens next. Uh, final point: uh, Fed Cup has been reformed, and there is going to be a new finals event in April of next year with a qualifying round in February. Catherine, you were there. Uh, Billie Jean King was in attendance uh, at the Queen's Club, which I think was the host uh, site of the first ever Fed Cup final. In 1963, yeah, won by the United States, a team of which Billie Jean King was a part. Um, and she was misty-eyed walking around the Queen's Club and looking at the trophy and, the whole, yeah, the whole experience. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's no great surprise that the Fed Cup is being reformed. It's For me, it's very welcome. I don't, I don't know if these reforms are going to be the right answer, but I'm pleased that they're doing them and they're they're trying them and and i do get the sense that that if they do need some they're open to tweaking after it this is sort of a first attempt um at the right formula and they're open to, to tweaking which for me is in, in, 
important rather than just to say this is the answer we've come up with a solution to all of the fed cups problems it's not that you are going to lose certain things it is a compromise but crucially it retains the home and away ties in the qualifying and playoff matches and then there's an emphasis on um, equality and inclusivity with the finals where the um, pay, the prize money, will match that of the Davis Cup for players. There'll be a more um, even distribution of of the prize pot in terms of how much goes to federations, how much goes to, to players themselves. Um, certainly, I mean, the, the, the most prominent message from that press conference was of equality, um, not just in the prize money itself and how good that is but the message that sends to to the world you know they were saying look this is the this is a really significant event for women's sport because tennis is i mean might soon to be 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 overtaken by uh, women's football which is obviously having an incredible moment but women tennis is the most single most successful sport for women globally so the women's team event within that sport has a role to play in leadership um, and the messaging it sends so and they're also putting it on clay which is a, a good, clay good in idea. budapest and i was very impressed i have to say with um the way the delegation from budapest talked about budapest as a host city i was sort of a little bit prepared to 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 slightly glaze over you know man from budapest says how great budapest is you know you you get you get man from prague and he'll be telling you how great prague is um and i'm already sold on budapest i've been there for a champions tour event and i loved it but he talked about all the international sporting events that budapest has hosted um in recent years where they haven't had good athlete representation where hungary haven't been that well represented and how good the crowds have been even to support you know random far-flung countries the crowds have always been there he talked about the swimming world championships i know they have a couple of prominent swimmers but even for sessions where there was no hungarian representation they've always had really good crowds and and that is crucial that's one of my concerns about the davis cup in madrid i think it's one of the itf's concerns that they're working on trying to remedy so i was I was quite convinced by the whole thing. I mean, part of that was spending a morning in the company of Billie Jean King, which would convince me of anything. <laughs> but, I mean, isn't that in itself, the fact that Billie Jean King is backing it, feels quite significant? I mean, yes. the Davis Cup's had a lot of players, ex-players and current players be really outspoken about it, against it. If, if Billie Jean King is giving her support, that's a great start. And it, it, for tennis, it feels closer to the right answer than the Davis Cup just just in terms of the position of the calendar April rather than November and 12 teams rather than 18 I think is better for a finals like I'm a bit worried about the Davis Cup I think I'm looking forward to it seeing how it goes but I'm a bit worried that teams could maybe get a bit lost there like how significant is the match going to be on whatever the third court I think in Budapest it's going to be two match courts and I think you know there'll be eyeballs on every match which is what you want um so yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's a, and it's always felt like the event that needed reform even more, just because of how yeah. confusing it all was. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I did notice that Simona Halep was quoted as saying she's not going to play it. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see whether she sticks to that or and, not. And Billie Jean King told her to give it a go for the yeah, first. Yeah, that first does one. annoy me to just sort of look. It might not be a success. I don't know if it's going to be a success. I but 
it's people not wishing it well that bothers me people sort of seeming to not want it to be a success or not wanting to support it before it's even had a chance Mm. Um, I do think part of that was a slight reaction to the fact that she she, well what she said was she personally hadn't been consulted on Mm. the changes so I think that was a factor in her reaction but yeah I was a bit, bit disappointed by it so that's all happening as is Wimbledon from tomorrow one o'clock on the two main show courts 11 o'clock in the morning on the rest of them so earlier than ever and uh, it starts with Novak Djokovic opening his title defence on centre court at one o'clock on centre against uh, Philip Kohlschreiber which is tricky yeah. we've lost him already this year it will be interesting. That's a proper match first yeah. up, mm. isn't it? Yulia uh, Patinsova against Naomi Osaka is also a proper match. After that, yeah. Could, I mean, these these are potential upsets, aren't they? they yeah. Could yeah. As be. is Venus against Goff, which I would have put on centre personally. You would have put that one in place of Carl Edmund against. I would. Um, yes. Jaume. Muna. Jaume Muna. Yeah, thank you. You are the only man in town that's getting that right, Matt. Yeah. The module of Catalan I did coming in <laughs> handy. Simona Halep against Alexandra Sasnovich, first up on court one. Then Giri Vesely against Alexander Zverev, the newborn Bork. And then it's Venus <laughs> Williams. very definitely be losing first round tomorrow. Against Coco Goff. Uh, on court number two, starts with Stan Wawrinka against uh, Rubens Bemelmans. Uh, Zhu of China, I don't know her first name, sorry, against Karolina Pliskova of the Czech Republic, uh, is second on court two. Then it's uh, Thomas, is it Tobias Fabiano or Thomas Fabiano? Thomas, Thomas Fabiano. Against uh, Stefano Sitsabas. Caroline Wozniacki against Sorabas Tormo. And then we've got... Over on court three, Kevin Anderson against Pierre Ugebert. Um And match of the day last on court 18. Are we are we in agreement? Yeah. Sue Weishay against Yelena Ostapenko. Who's stumbled into some form. Who's winning that? Quick prediction. Shay. Shay. Ostapenko. Okay, you've heard it here first on the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com with our mascot, Rio with a Y. If you've enjoyed the last 58 minutes of conversation here on the Tennis Podcast, do tell your friends, tweet about us, share us on social media, just knock random neighbours' doors and in the tent next to you in the queue and just say, have you listened to the Tennis Podcast? We'll get started immediately. Review us on iTunes uh, and we'll be back daily every single day we'll be with you for half an hour on the tennis podcast at the close of play see you tomorrow a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market